0: And as a quick note, we are not, I repeat not, financial advisors and nothing in this podcast should be taken as investment advice. Alrighty, disclaimer over, let's get to it. I'm excited to
1: hear how the conference... Excited too.
0: We got do? We got a guest? <laughs>
1: oh, oh, right. Yeah, no, spoiler, it's, it's you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I was hoping for some alpha. <laughs> well, that's what yeah well oh again yeah right you right, you are right. the <laughs> i'm supposed we to have. Be.
2: yeah okay all right really setting this up well here <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's what happens when you just press record and jump into it uh i think there's you know macro i'm excited because frankly anytime that uh eth comes back over the two thousand dollar mark i'm like well that's not bad so chapella went well what that has to do with NFTs, you know, we've kind of covered in the past with regard to like, you know, transaction cost power for layer twos. We're going to see what we're going to see when we see it. But right now, you know, the the macro is ETH up. NFT seems like volume in terms of dollars is down because when you are in that, that period of time where uh, – ETH uh and underlying currency prices are rising. <laughs> People are a little skittish about uh moving too many things around with regard to those those non-fungibles. And that, that's what we're seeing in the 30-day uh looks like there's like total USD sales on Ethereum are dropped like 36%. So uh, a lot of that is due to board eight, but we'll get to that in a bit. What do you see in the news?
2: Yeah, definitely some some uh PFP collections hurting right now uh pfp collections in particular is what I've noticed anyway yeah get into some news man maybe part of the uh the big brand push that I definitely noticed at nft NYC here we've got swoosh uh this the the Nike uh, what do you call them, the Nike metaverse nft platform uh they're airdropping let's see they're calling these the on force oh, I'm sorry our force one uh, free posters to first-generation members. So there's 106,453 of these. Actually, fewer than I would have uh, guessed. I hadn't looked at those numbers. I got an email. i got one of these. I did uh, sign up for this DotSwoosh account. They're going to have uh, also digital shoes coming out that will be sold for, for $20. So they are definitely making a big push here.
1: Yeah, well, you know, they're releasing, it seems like, with uh, you know the in conjunction of the collaboration with Artifact and they're really doubling down on uh, the the crypto push. They are the brand leader, and you know there's another article in there about you know Nike's multi-million dollar crypto push coming from the uh, the block, and you can also see it. I like the use of swoosh which is kind of interesting. Is this is that that's like an ETH domain right uh, connection, or is it? Well Literally they do dot
2: swoosh the, domain that's the name of this but they do have a they, they bought the was it swoosh.eth they spent i can't remember the, the price but i believe it was you know, at least a couple million on that yeah uh but you know i think that is separate this is their they're actually dot swoosh platform yeah it's it is for a while you know it seems like it. You know, I mean, got over 100,000 people signed up. They're making another push with it now. So we'll see what comes next. Uh, you know, there has been some pushback with the, the, the way that they've uh, launched everything with Artifact. You know, this is much more of, I'd say, under the Nike brand than the Artifact brand now. It's You know, Swoosh is obviously much more Nike-related and uh, they are continuing with this, this Web3 NFT push here.
1: Nice. And we've,
2: yeah, we've got... Uh, man another big brand we've got starbucks so they've got their first store collection nft drop up you remember they've already done uh, some nfts in the past uh, so this is a store collection i guess you call it their their second collection second drop here so this is let's see five thousand nfts uh they're a hundred dollars each so this is there's this is inspired by various stores so you know i imagine that they will have images that you know go along with the uh, with the the store location here you know as far as i know uh they have not there's <laughs> let's see and they're still promising that there will be rewards but i don't believe that those are live yet as far as i know so interesting that they have uh you know moved out to this you know and it seems that they are popular at least that first uh the first uh iteration of the NFT, there, the starbucks nfts were quite popular so I, I expect that these will go quickly as well
1: it's interesting to see them pricing it really anchoring to dollars and you see brands doing this we just talked about how nike's like oh twenty dollars for a shoe and a hundred dollars for these and then immediately sort of go into the the land of crypto valuations and you know I think Starbucks is super hot right now. There's a lot of we're we're in the mystery phase, (laughs) the mystery phase of their releases rather than the uh, trough of sorrow. If you'll remember in our our narratives of how these drops go, and and I think that's a safe bet. Like you want an affordable project, if you can get uh, some of these at 100, I'm sure there's going to be a, a a tough battle for it. But I think early early adopters of cash based mystery high drops are, are part of this and it, they're doing this intelligently too, you know, it's part of that Odyssey Web3 Rewards. So look, you're playing a game, but it's, it seems like they have a, a longer arc.
2: Yeah, it does. I mean, well, it definitely seems like they have a larger, a larger arc here or a longer arc planned with these uh, NFTs and, you know, at least you hope so if you are buying them, right? <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, frankly, a hundred dollars is affordable. So
2: absolutely. So there's our affordable project. Is that what you're saying?
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah no, I'm, I'm very comfortable saying this because like, it's, it's kind of evil saying not evil, but unfair because it's like, Oh, it's not like going to be super easy to, to get in there. But from what we have seen thus far from, from Starbucks is uh, they're main, they're maintaining, I mean, you're not getting coffee out of it, but you're, you're getting mystery.
2: So Canon USA, the uh, camera company, is launching an in-house NFT photography marketplace. This looks a lot to me like a company that, you know, while they, uh, you know, maybe have done quite well with digital, still have maybe not been able to 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 capitalize on digital assets quite as much as uh, as they would have liked. So interesting to see they are getting into this. I'm skeptical of how of how a of how it may work out, but you know, I, who knows, you know, I, I, I can't say enough to, at this point to say where it will go.
1: Yeah, uh, here's the, the downside here is that like launching a photography marketplace as AI generated images are going parabolic, throws something into question. However, the other side of that is the, the truth that there's definitely going to be a role blockchain plays in human certified generated images. Which will become more rare than artificially generated, AI-generated images. So the, that's you know that's the future inside of probably two years. So maybe it works because of that. But right now, I think you're uh, you're in a weird place.
2: All right, so Goblin Town is back, back in the news anyway. Uh, so Truth Labs, the company behind Goblin Town. Apparently, making a statement against uh, the the dropping of royalty fees by many of the major uh, NFT platforms. So they uh, something we talked about. You know, they, they still have control of the ultimate image. It's not necessarily on chain. the The NFT is pointing uh, to an off chain location. They updated those images. Maybe even updated where the, uh, the image is pointed to a new one that uh, you know pretty. Uh, <laughs> not safe for work i would say with their their feelings on uh let's see f royalties f supporting building building and creating flipping is the heart of what makes web3 special honor the flipper so you get the idea they say that they're going to they will be migrating to a new contract that will force the honoring of royalties um you know in in order to uh, to collect what they, they feel is theirs. Left, uh, left some holders, you know, not so happy. It's, definitely divide. Uh, what's your take on this, George?
1: I think there's going to be absolutely royalty honored contract solutions somehow out there. I'm not smart enough to tell how, but there's a way to do it. There is absolutely some way to do it in how contracts are built. I think when you do this and you trade on community and trust and you do something that is in violation of your early sort of anything goes type of ethos and that's how you built your brand and suddenly say, actually, no, show me the money uh, above all else, like this will go poorly. There you go. Hot take. This will go poorly.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean it's an interesting one. You know, I think that there's always going to be ways around some of these things if you do put a wrapper on a contract. Or <laughs> there's also the problem if, if you do force a royalty on a transfer, there's the problem with not being able to necessarily move it. I mean, ah, I mean there's there's problems with each solution. You know, but I, you know we've talked about how how there's definitely going to be creators that go after it more more aggressively than others, and you know they're definitely going after what they feel is is theirs, you know, in the royalty way. This was a, I believe it was a free mint initially. So this was always the the method that they were uh, actually collecting payments. So not terribly surprising in, in that regard.
1: Okay. So I see another one here. Roblox adds rare resellable digital items, <laughs> but they're, they're not NFTs. And this is in a uh, descript and this is uh, you know, Roblox in case you live under a rock is like, number one game played by teenagers it's a cousin of minecraft but certainly not uh the same and you know it's got wearable virtual goods now and i think this is what you know adoption looks like they're not called nfts they're virtual assets they can be traded their scarcity and guess what yes they generate profit um I'm not quite sure how that lives anywhere outside of the Roblox ecosystem but that's that's what adoption looks like right we've we've talked about how important skins and your just character aesthetics are in these ecosystems and that just you know pairs it with blockchain I'm not quite sure why <laughs> why move to blockchain for for this kind of thing if it's just in-game asset but then again it's hard to tell what um what may be possible for this?
2: Yeah, I don't know if the assets. I don't know enough about how the the game is structured if there's a way to move them outside of the system. I think it is at least an onboarding you know potential for NFTs. I think the I, the concept is there to own digital assets. I've heard of another uh, I can't remember the name another game that will be uh, it's coming up with a new version. It's a game that's ten years old or so. So there's many. People that have built in assets that will be able to be ported over to the new game. So those old assets have a lot more value in that sense. I think it's a great way for people to understand the value of video games I mean, we've talked a lot about how they will bring a lot of people in. And there's also been so much pushback. You know, one way to bring people over and get people to understand is basically airdropping value to them. If you already own these assets and all of a sudden there is a way to trade them and there's value, you're going to feel a lot more open to the idea of NFTs, right?
1: Yeah, technically it says that. These Roblox Limiteds are not blockchain backed, but you can buy them with their in-game currency, and they certainly take a healthy, healthy cut of of those transactions in the realm of uh, of thirty percent, which is pretty impressive. So, like,
2: it's mm, something something that people might want to get away from if they could at some point.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know.
2: Oh, I just I mean the thirty percent cut.
1: The thirty percent cut, yeah.
2: All right, so Mastercard and another so more big brand news here. Mastercard has unveiled a, a music uh, program with, of course, partnered with Polygon. I mean,
1: the, yes, Polygon. <laughs> always, <laughs>
2: yes, <laughs> this is such, I mean, somewhat of an, uh, a bit of an incubator program for artists to get into the Web three space. You know, definitely has a lot of. Uh, backing behind it we've talked about how there is a lot of potential for music in in the space there's been some connection but uh you know there's still a long way to grow in that area so you know mastercard sees this or at least part of uh, polygon has helped them see this so uh, you yeah, know i like to see that there is this kind of thing going on no idea of what to to expect i'm not sure that this will you know come in how groundbreaking it will end up being. But you know, it is exciting to see these brands get in and partner with uh, on these new initiatives.
1: Well, I like the fact that they're calling it an accelerator program offering sort of upskilling around AI music and blockchain and how to monetize their work. And we'll, we'll develop the types of tools that frankly, like I, it's just so funny, like a, mu- a musician, right? Like the thing they're supposed to be doing creation of sound for entertainment and communication of emotion are now expected to be able to dance in the world of i'm sorry ai deepfake of your own content as well as blockchain technology to launch elements of your music because that you know is the only way to possibly monetize things uh but you're a musician remember that You're, you're you make music
2: yeah right how much time do you have for the music at that point right all right. So next one here is, oh man, you, you put this in here. This is mostly about the <laughs> collector. Franklin, Franklin is bored. I believe he goes by who, I mean, this, sorry, how some of this initiated, uh, had, he's, he's been one of the most prolific uh, users of, of the, the Ben Dow, Ben, uh, where he's leveraged, leveraged his own board, ape, or I should say, uh, yuga assets i'm sure it was board apes
1: yeah 27 um, board apes i think
2: i think yeah i think it's been or he's got maybe more, more times that. but he's, he, yeah. he has used it to sort of uh, i mean there's been a, people have accused him of, of using these uh platforms to also somewhat manipulate the floor price and and play around with those looking at you know some arbitrage uh opportunities by by buying or selling in bulk around what floor, so apparently he was going to enter some sort of investment agreement for 2,000 ETH, and that got rugged. So then he needed to get all of his, he needed to sell everything to pay off his Ben Dao loans. Had to sell a lot of apes at once, and uh, you know, definitely caused some panic. What? <laughs> Uh, that's, that's some of what's happened here. What else is going on, George?
1: I, I think it's just sort of a look at some of the fragility in ownership. So let's say I hypothetically had, you know, 50 board apes or, you know, as these collectors have, have board apes. And then I put it into Bendow, which then lets me leverage it based on the floor price. And then I could use that money that I have leveraged to effectively artificially prop up the floor by buying more of those things. I'm not saying that's literally what happened, but it could happen. But if you are in this ecosystem, you're playing with effectively margins supporting the value of your asset, and that doesn't go well in most storybooks and certainly not in financial reality. And so this is, I thought, like a hint of, you know, as we talked about before, of like, what are the byproducts of being able to use NFTs as collateral, to then prop up the value of that underlying collateral by sweeping your own floor and like not saying that's where that was invested but when you've got those nft assets in size like that being then you know playing the game of like all right what can i do with my margin loan on it you you end up with these liquidation moments which can yeah trigger panic
2: yeah i mean frankly i was more I, I was impressed by how well the floor price did hold up here you know someone's wizard were we've seen much bigger hits in many pfp collections yep. recently you know partially there was certainly a, a big drop uh after some of the, the uh, southern valley bank issues and and as as we talked about and george alluded to earlier you know a run-up in eth usually uh does uh hinder nft trading uh you know just volatility uh, is not well liked. In, you know when you've got that the double layer of, of value moving around there you've got both the nft and the eth value fluctuating so much there tends to be less trading mm-hmm. um so in you know in some regards i was I know, surprised that it didn't drop even further you know it's i mean in general i, I i've been surprised by how well that that boarding floor has held up uh you know throughout some of these i mean it has been tested by a number of different issues and you know a different i mean whether it's somebody selling a lot and you know, they've certainly had controversies and um there's still buyers there so you know I yeah that 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 is there's something there's something to that and you know it's i mean frankly if you were to put this kind of money into other collections, you could really manipulate it much more. And, it, you know, we, it's, it's a, it is it is being done. You know, one of the things that makes it, it is being done, it isn't being done as much as uh, it isn't being done as frequently because there's just less interest in those collections. And, you know, and I think that that's what we see here. There actually is liquidity. It's not just one, one collector necessarily. So, you know, 27, you know 27 sales at one in one time i i think that that would from also from a, a leading major collector that is very active on, on Twitter you know i frankly am surprised that it didn't drop it even more you know we'll see what happens with with the nft lending business in general it's there's i don't know if i, I believe I posted it somewhere in a in our news feed don't have it missing in our show notes here I'll try to add that uh, but there it's over a billion dollar industry at this point you know there's a lot of we've talked a little bit about uh, some of the platforms like nft5 and while there is you know there's manipulation there is there's also a lot happening in that nft lending market that uh, that I don't think should be ignored
1: yeah no, I, I. it's actually something that's more curious to me like I I have not done that but I have I remember in certain episodes I say like it's a funny place to potentially get distressed quality assets of people that like go sideways on these things and you can you can lend out and <laughs> you can also accept that as collateral and then you're in some ways sort of betting both ways on it you're like I'm going to lend this out and then if you fail to You know make good on your on your loan i I own that asset and if you believe in the project that's you know it's an interesting way to shop when things go go weird
2: (laughs) just be careful with those margins you better be way below what you think it might be worth and
1: yeah well in a month yeah yeah, no no no, no. totally like yeah the project implodes and you're like oh i could have picked it up for yeah i mean the other side of that is like, maybe I should have done that with like my, my Nike Genesis dunks that just refuse to go above like 0.1 now. And I was like, oh, I can't wait till they get to like 0.4. And I was like, you dope. One other piece on this of like looking, it's so hard to see like what is, you know, what is the level of FUD? And I'm, I'm kind of curious your take on this. It's kind of scanning through transactions and, and looking at the effectively the the profit or loss, the profit or loss on like recent transaction scanning. And, you know, scanning through something like Board Apes is like, you know, I, I sort of have it in for them because they frustrate me, but that's aside, You can look at recent transactions and realize, like, are people taking losses? And, like, when I scan, like, you know, what's uh, what's kind of going on in, in recent transactions over the past, you know, 30 days, I'm seeing people, like, you know, taking a 40 ETH loss, nine ETH loss, nine ETH loss, uh, f- you know, this person was, you know, flipping it. You see a lot of blur transactions, but if you look past the blur and look at the ETH, like here's an 18 ETH loss uh, that was 20 hours ago. Uh, You know, you can kind of see some of the paper hands out there, which is, you know, kind of another, you know, metric to kind of, to go by.
2: Yeah, maybe, uh, maybe collecting for all those unexpected tax, taxes they
1: got. (laughs) 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 <laughs> I mean, it is tax o'clock, right? Like, no joke. It is. But, I mean. But, like, also, like, you you don't have to, I guess you do have to pay that kind of soon. That's an interesting thing to look at as we, I uh, hadn't thought of that. I'll go back and, and maybe in a future I episode. A, I know I you there's... love our tax episodes so much, so I'm so happy you brought it up. <laughs> like, no one loves those episodes more than Oh, man. <laughs> Slash hates them. <laughs> He's like, why are we doing this? I'm like, it's relevant. Shh. No one wants to hear it. And I'm like over here, like scanning through the tax <laughs> implications.
2: I mean, tax. I I, live, I love to get into tax code detail. That's mm-hmm. what I like to do. But I like to save that for do. weekends,
1: typically. <laughs> <laughs> pairs well with a pinot. Okay. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. Yeah. Enough. Enough ape bashing. We talked about our affordable project. If you can get it, catch that Starbucks launch on the first store collection, the Odyssey one. I think if you can find a way to spend a hundred bucks on that, that's um, that's affordable and has upside. Good luck to you. Oh, yeah. I may try it, but. Talk to me, NFT NYC 2023. You were a speaker; it was super cool talking about NFT art mixed with data. And there were sixteen thousand people running around. This is that yeah, think, like feel right?
2: That's what they said. You know, so it was a new uh, location this year. They have it. They they previously held this in multiple venues mm. located around Times Square this was over at the javits center a big convention center over in uh, hudson yards area of new york on multiple floors there it's a very very large building with many uh, individual speaker rooms so i think at any one time they may have had six or six different stages going it's it, it's hard to get a sense of all the people that are there at any one time. These are split over a couple floors, Then there's all sorts of workshops and everything. But it, it was an impressive uh, venue. Definitely felt felt nice to ha- felt like a nicer venue than what they've used in the past. But also great to have everything in one place. It's a lot easier to to jump between different venues and try to catch different talks on different uh, topics. As they tried to, uh, to to separate it that way, as opposed to you know, needing to uh, you know to walk six blocks or so to to get to the next uh, venue then have to uh, go through security to get in and, and, and do that whole that whole thing each time you wanted to get to a new talk so in that sense this was much nicer yeah it but it did feel i mean to do something like that it definitely felt like they had to have a lot of people there they certainly had a large number of speakers they had a speaker uh, event the night before the uh the official event opened up we talked a little bit about how many speakers are there i don't know if we need to say that i mean it, it's super exclusive. I think, a handful,
1: a so. handful or so speakers <laughs> uh, were there. Uh, yeah, I mean, what was the the room like? Did you have uh, a few people in the room? How did it, how did it go for you?
2: Uh, for for my own, uh, sorry, you, for my own talk. Yeah, yeah for your own for room. your own like talk. Yeah, yeah, there were definitely some people in the room. I was on the art stage, as George mentioned. I was talking about art data and finance, sort of the uh, the money flow of uh, of, of nft art collecting uh the idea is uh, the the uh, the concept that i introduced there or was discussing there i should say introduced I Was discussing there was that many collectors started with pfp collections you can even see this in nfts in general um, mm-hmm. that the first collection that, that really got any notice in, uh, notoriety and notoriety and led to erc 721s the the, the uh, token standard that we are most familiar with and with primarily now that is crypto punks crypto punks were really the first collection that got some some buyers sellers got people collecting these things there weren't many for for a, there weren't many sales at all for a good period of time really talking about a dozen or so per month you could just see that that was really the the whole nft user network after that OpenSea came in about say six eight months later maybe maybe nine months now OpenSea, because it was uh maybe a marketplace they were using the erc 721 standard they were made for that nft so it wasn't it was a separate they weren't trading punks at that time it was later on that you had rap punks and this is a little bit different you started seeing kind of different types of assets traded there but it was still almost nobody's paying attention uh got into Soon after that, I started seeing marketplaces or even platforms, I should say, like Known Origin, Super Rare uh, pop up. These were, they actually did get some pretty decent traction, at least for the time, with addition work, which is what Known Origin has primarily been used for. And when I say addition work, that means maybe the same NFT is made 10 times or 100 times. Where Super Rare is still primarily known for their one of one artwork, where it's just each one is minted one time. It's a unique piece. Uh, pretty self-explanatory there. Later on in uh, is it the, is it November 2020 had uh, Artblocks platform launched. This was generative art. So this introduced one of one of X concept, being the X being the size of the series. Uh, maybe there's a thousand pieces of the series. Each one will be part of that series, but be, be different. They're related. Visually, you can see that they are in the same collection, but each one is unique. So, the concept that I introduced was that collectors often come in with PFPs, they get introduced to NFTs that way, maybe get into open editions. I'm sorry, into edition work. And I should say that open editions have been a big, we've seen a huge surge in popularity there. Uh, it's been often on that Manifold platform or a couple other platforms. So, that's been uh, you know, part of what I introduced was seeing how many collectors have gotten into edition work. We've seen art blocks and other generative art platforms, not just, you know, we saw a huge run up in popularity and have actually seen you know, pretty sustained popular uh, interest in, uh, in that class of art and now seeing more interest in the one-on-one work. And I should say that there are others, you know, is one platform foundation is another. So we are seeing more interest in those platforms, both from collectors and artists, more artists minting there and, and bringing collectors in. It's been more, it's been more, less steady uh, than some of the others, but that's somewhat to be expected. You know, a lot less flipping there, a lot less uh, expecting to, to buy and with the intent to sell tomorrow, whereas that's pretty prevalent in the, the PFP community. So went through. I definitely have some other uh, visuals. I should uh, maybe try to uh, put something up so I can link to that. That's what I discussed at the uh, at the show there.
1: Yeah, it sounds like it's uh, well visualized. I think you do a good job narrating it, and I think it's kind of fun to take a look back because things happen so quickly, and there's such, you know, fervent, punctuated moments to take a step back and say, like, look, here is the journey of a bunch of these wallets, where we can see that the entry point was one of these sort of PFP interactive moments, but does it seem like there's a bit of a evolution of maturity, right? When wallets mature after X number of transactions, they, they tack toward art, even though it's like a, probably a pretty significant winnowing reduction of, you know, total, total active wallets that get in get burned and then move on.
2: You know, that's, that's what that I actually, I've been looked at the, the age of the wallet in, in what they collect. i I've, I wanna look into that a little bit more. I think it's partly partly the age of the, the wallet and there's also immaturing of the NFT industry. I think, you know, there's a time where I mean every pfd collection that, you know, had a roadmap that that looked decent and promised some fanny packs and an event, you know, would pump for a while and it definitely brought people in for a variety of reasons, and a lot of those I'd say were were financial. And you know, I I, I would say that's a very different mindset, a much harder thing to do now. And in that, I mean, that we've talked a little bit about how. The artists that are sticking around—it gives me a little bit more hope. The artists that were doing this when it wasn't uh, popular before—I think that they are more likely to stick around. Artists that are maybe even more dedicated to it than the project just pumping something out without having much history, without putting their name on it. Those are those definitely look less likely to stick around. So you know, I think there are some people realizing realizing that those these those uh, this huge. Uh, those hotly pumped up projects maybe aren't the best uh, best way to spend their their money in this nft world
1: that's so interesting so I'm just gonna like frame back like what I heard there it's almost a an ability to look at there's a line right there's a line a popularity threshold right where things really started to explode you know really came to life like we'll say 2021 but artists that essentially have, created prior to hype during hype fine but then post hype are ones that are probably in that lindy bucket we're like oh well, wait a minute you're gonna probably continue to do this versus like you were an artist who then realized there was a way to make money on the blockchain during a hype cycle you did a couple things you made a couple bucks and then you sort of maybe fell out of love with it and then frankly like when the hype comes back you probably will too do you think collectors will, you know, we can see it. We can see it on the chain because <laughs> it's, you know, it's kind of all there. You can't sort of PR your way over that the same way.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely meaningful to, to me and like definitely something that I look for. I you mean, know, I think that is something that maybe others are realizing, especially as you see uh, more creators uh, drop out of the space. I mean, that was definitely one of the good parts about being an NFT. NYC this time around is that it is so much quieter in the sense of, you know, there's not the same, there's definitely plenty of, of, of activities, of, of parties, but it's definitely not as popular. So you're not getting, as it will, uh, uh, the NFTs are popular. it's not getting the same same attention. You're not getting the same level of parties. It's not as outrageous. There's still plenty to do with the people there seem much more genuinely interested in, in what is going on than just the uh, maybe financial motives.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's an interesting filter to sort of apply on top of like, do I like the art? Is it, you know, innovative, creative, you know, going with the, you know, artist first is like looking at artist history uh, of those pieces. I mean, the downside of that is also there are artists that seem to trend toward proliferation and this idea of like, oh, I just want more people to have access to more of my art, which is, you know, I, I, on one level, genuine, I'm sure. But on the other one, it it's different, right? Scarcity is part of the value. It's part of the reason that people might want to collect. So, you know, there's this, you know, nuance of, you know, wait, wait a minute, as you mentioned, we went from one of one to like a collection of one. <laughs> and, and those collections seem to be increasing in, in size over time. All right. Well, you have been going, how many NFT NYCs have you been going to, like, they say they've been doing this since twenty eighteen. I know you've been at least a couple, three times, two, three. I've times been to three already? so
2: far. So I've been to just uh, post pandemic <laughs> N- yeah. NFTNY.
1: Um, I love that. Uh, I went I when three I was different risking my now. life.
2: <laughs> I do find it a little funny that they seem to hold this at a different time of year each time. I think I've been in uh, November, June, and April now. So I'm looking hmm. forward to. I don't know, maybe I'm actually not looking forward to February. I don't want to do February in New York.
1: <laughs> no, hard pass on that as a New Yorker, a native New Yorker. There are better times to go to New York and better times to leave New York. Uh, I was looking at your wallet. I didn't see any, like, PFP for the event or PO-OP. Maybe I was, like, looking in the wrong place, though. Like, I feel like you should have, you know, the each commemorative, like, I attended – NFT NYC or did I yeah, not so find something? I do something? have one. Let's see,
2: maybe in put that another wallet.
1: Oh, you you have oh, that's right. You you hide stuff from me all the time. I, I like, you oh. know
2: I've, I've done a lot more in a different wallet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <recently>. you <laughs> just uh, get get too many people at work that you know can, can track my stuff. You know I got to be careful. I'm just kidding. It's that's know, me. More <laughs> lazy <laughs> about that wallet now. Yeah, so I had to have an, I, I don't, I, don't know. I had an NFT to get in there and they had, yeah, they don't make as as good of use of uh, NFTs at this as, as I think they could. I would love to see a little bit more perimeter but, and then maybe even engaging with, you know, being able to put multiple tickets together to do something I think would be cool. But I do got to say that they handle check-in so much better than, than, then the uh, last show is at out in denver it was a very smooth process that was great I and mean, it was it was really an impressive uh, venue very excited about like just the way that it's uh, maturing into uh, less of a just party scene and a place where you can actually go and, and learn something and connect with people that are are working a bit
1: more rather than just pumping up a project yeah i guess it you know it's still an impressive <laughs> size of audience for you know, oh, yeah. where we are in the market right now
2: yeah I mean that's true there's for the it's got to be a lot of people that are just collected <laughs> with that number of people there right
1: You also said you saw a lot of brands there uh, any of the ones like clearly we just talked about Nike we talk about Nike regularly and Starbucks regularly what other brands did you see kind of like browsing the aisles or trying to trying to show a force?
2: Yeah well MasterCard made a uh, they made a, a big push there. I shouldn't say big bush but they made a presentation there there were many talks from people at companies i'm trying to remember there's a large uh european-based sports retailer that talked about how they've already introduced nfts at many of their stores and how they're rolling this out further that one surprised me they have something like 8,500 stores this was i was surprised i i I didn't know the uh i wasn't familiar with the name of the, the store but that one was impressive to me there were there were many so there are many brands uh, i'm sorry many <laughs> companies working with big brands as well introducing different uh loyalty programs that definitely seems to be the, the push that the brands are making and you know it's something that we've talked a lot about is how much this is an opportunity for brands to connect with customers directly reward them directly and I mean, frankly, learn a lot more about their customers. You know, brands are oh making pretty quickly.
1: <laughs> they already know a ton, but yeah, I guess this yeah. opens up a lot more, doesn't it? Absolutely. All right. Anything else to add before we jump off? Would you go again? You've been a few times. I mean, <laughs> barring yeah, we'll the see. We'll see.
2: You know, I, it's uh, it's definitely changed. I mean, you know, it is fun to see how it changes, but you know, I'm sure I'll end up back there at some point. A little less uh, directly related to, to my day-to-day data work, but it also gave me a, a good opportunity or a good excuse to do a lot of, uh, research into the, the history of the, uh, the NFT marketplace, uh, just how it's grown from, from where it was to what it is now. And it's, uh, it's pretty amazing just to see how many different platforms are out there. How many different users are interacting with, with so many different platforms when it really just started with punks, you know, what was that? six years ago or so. Yeah,
1: Yeah. no. Big journey. Seems like you go again. I'm, I'm glad I can just get the highlights from you. Uh, so maybe maybe someday I'll, I'll wander in.
0: Uh, all right. Well, see you out there.
1: And thanks for sharing it.
0: This has been an episode of the AAA NFT podcast, all about affordable NFTs. The episode notes and resources may be found at 3ANFT.com in our show notes. Again, 3ANFT.com. And that reminder, don't bet what you can't afford to lose. Remember, we are not financial advisors and nothing in this podcast should be taken as investment advice. Thanks for joining us. I hope you learned something.